After an accident, minutes matter. Your words and actions matter even more. You need help, and you need it now. This is David vs. Goliath, brought to you by Dolman Law Group Accident Injury Lawyers, a boutique firm with a reputation for going head-to-head -head with the insurance company giants and putting people over profits. Welcome to another episode of the David vs. Goliath podcast here with my partner in crime, business partner Stan Geip. And today we have our lucky guest. We have Kyle Newman, who's a, I would call him an esteemed med mal lawyer out of New York City. What sets Kyle apart really is, and this is a compliment, at such a young age, he has uh, already tried a number of cases to verdict. He's had several verdicts over in excess of $1 million, which is rare for a lawyer of that age. Kyle, give us a little bit of an introduction. Tell us about your practice. Sure, Matt. Thank you for the warm invite. So yeah, so for the past 15 years, I've been a you know catastrophic injury medical malpractice attorney. For whatever reason, I kind of fell into doing medical malpractice work. When I first started out, I worked for a solo practice with my father, and uh, we had a handful of med mal cases. And I was very fortunate to have a mentor who I ended up working for about 10 years with, who was an older retired doctor who had worked for some of the biggest names in the city and uh, who we kind of grew our medical malpractice whole practice out with. And I've been very, very fortunate to have some great cases, great clients, and some unbelievable battles in court that fortunately ended up going our way. Gotcha. So Stan also, you know, I run the firm. I work more on the firm than in the firm these days. And Stan, he's a board certified civil trial lawyer. So you guys pretty much are gonna discuss the same language what is Kyle's calling card, per se, is trial technology. And he's been asked to speak in front of a number of groups before on how to use uh, technology in the courtroom, how to use it as a demonstrative aid to bring the evidence to light. And give us a little bit of an overview of, you know, what are the techniques are you using and what technology needs to be added to the repertoire of your typical trial attorney that how are they, you know, what are they lacking in? How do you take a homogenous case that's very boring in nature and bring it to life? Sure. So... The whole trial technology thing, uh, I also kind of stumbled upon. I went to a CLE in New York with the New York State trial attorneys, and I'll never forget this. It was an um, unbelievable trial attorney uh, by the name of Martin Edelman, who was talking about trial tech. And there were a few other attorneys that were making presentations. But one thing stood out to me, and it kind of changed the entire trajectory, really, of my career. And he was making a presentation about, um, you know, jurors and educating jurors and how people really learn and comprehend things. And he made this, this statement. He basically asked a question of, of the, the whole group who was there. You know, what's the one thing that all jurors, all jurors love? Okay. And people went around. They said, oh, they love their family. They love sports, the Jets, the Mets. You know, it's nonsense like that. And he said, no. And it was, it was like he was looking right at me. I've told this story before. Uh, and he said, the one thing that jurors love above all is television. This was in probably 2010. So it's not nearly the tech world that we live in now, but that really hit home with me, hit home to me and really changed my whole way of preparing and presenting evidence at trial and kind of discovering ways um, to do it, not only that are impressive to the jury and Kind of the whole setup that, that I use, and I know that other attorneys use, really when you're going up against someone, especially at my age, going, you know, being in my late 20s, you know, early 30s, going up against big time defense partners who were consistently, I mean, 20, 30 plus years older than me, 
um, would walk into trial and think that they could just roll right over me. The minute that I set up that presentation software and my whole setup, it gave me an incredible advantage over these older attorneys who were not tech savvy. I mean, granted, they were great trial attorneys, but the ability to present evidence fluidly so that you can, especially in medical malpractice work, there is, is so much, there's so much medical records that you're going through. Depending on the complexity of the case, you could be going through a thousand page chart, 5,000 page chart, and need to maneuver through the chart with such speed and almost at the speed of thought. That's kind of what I, I, I kind of think with trial technology is that you're able to not only present, but you're able to cross-examine where any page in the entire medical record across all the records that you have, you're able to pull up, enhance, there's all types of toys that you could, you know, with highlighting and, and enlarging, but that really there's no place to hide. Early on in my career, I found that I would do like everyone would do. I, I would print out the $100 a sheet, those big cardboard cutouts and lug to, to court, maybe five to 10 of those, which was a big expense, you know, from, for a smaller firm having to, I'd never forget this one time, it was pouring raining and I had to come to court with like a whole mess of these and it literally like disintegrated on the steps of the, of the courthouse. I, I was on the subway lugging this thing, the sheet was coming off, it just like melted away. And without having to bother with that, when you have a trial tech setup, you know, people might think it's, it's, actually, it's, it's so complicated. It really actually simplifies things really so much in a way that you're in normal everyday practice. You're doing these things. You're just uploading documents, essentially scanning documents into your, your system and pulling them up. The, the real key is your preparation, knowing where the key evidence is, knowing really your entire record so that with the right prep and with the right outline, you really have, they have nowhere to, to hide, nowhere to go. When I also, just one instance comes to mind where I had a doctor on the stand and I had some of these blowups that were ready to go, which, which were critical piece of evidence, I thought. And what this doctor would do was he would then refer to pages that were not, that I didn't have a blowup of, that were outside of this, maybe a progress note or a nurse's note, where then I was kind of stuck. I'm like, oh, wait, it's not in the the blow up that I brought, I'm not then able to follow up questions and again, put it up so that the jury can actually see and also hear the testimony. And that was a really a big critical thing for, for, for me getting into the trial text stuff. And, and yeah, I, I was very fortunate to learn it very young because it's an incredible advantage that you still don't see that many attorneys using out there, which is surprising to me. Okay. I gotta be a confession here. I'm one of those guys who showed up to trial with the boxes of paper, you know, up until probably five years ago, okay? Boxes of paper, I had the blow-ups, and really, I found myself presenting information to the jury, like, the same way a teacher presented information to me back in, like, third and fourth grade, before the internet, before any of this. I'm, like, up there with the Elmo, it's projecting things on the screen, you know, and I've got my blow-ups in... Part of that was it's it's driven by fear, okay? Because I know, you know, d despite your your rain story, like that pad of paper's never gonna go away. It's never gonna fail to turn on. It's never going to give me additional stress when I'm standing up there in front of a jury trying to do something. How it like 
when you're doing this when in the beginning, did you bring a tech guy into the courtroom to handle any of the sort of hiccups that would happen during the presentation, or were you doing that all yourself in the beginning? So the that's a great question, Stan. And with what you would do, okay, that that's how most of us were taught how to do this stuff. You know, the great trial attorneys when I was coming up, when when you were coming up, you know, that's how we learned to present a case and, and, you know, go into trial and present evidence. So I also had a really terrible uh, experience with a trial tech guy who initially I had come to court and it was literally, I was fighting the guy the entire time. I'm like, pull this up. Oh, I have this. You know, it was like this back and forth where I was totally out of control of the manner in which the evidence was presented because this guy was never going to think as fast as I was on the fly about a case that he was never going to know nearly as much about as I had preparing for it, you know, in a med mal for months and months, not, you know, working on the case for years. So the, the really amazing thing about the setup that I use and the program that I use, which is exhibit view, which still most people have not heard of, I kind of stumbled across it. Exhibit View is a company um, out of Georgia. They're outside of Atlanta. And Exhibit View was really created. Bob Finnell, who was a former, I believe, Georgia State trial lawyer's president, who was like an amazing guy, and their co-creator, uh, Bill Roach, who was more of like the uh, tech side of it, they created it together to, to really have the trial lawyer be able to use it all yourself. Um, so really, it's it's about having a, a setup that you're comfortable with, which really these days is is fairly simple. I mean, you can go crazy. This last trial I, I had, I had multiple computers set up and actually multiple projectors set up. But it really comes down to three things. You need your laptop. You need it hooked up to a projector that it's something called a long throw projector, which is something bright enough. It, it's typically over 6,000 lumens that's bright enough to literally light up, you know, a, a drive-in movie theater if I wanted to with all the lights on in, in the courtroom. That's really important. So I don't have to worry about some court officer who's not going to dim the lights for me because how many times, you know, has that happened where, you know, they don't want to do anything that, you know, I, I suggest or ask, you know, please put the shades down. So you really have to be autonomous with this. So it's the projector, your laptop, and a screen. You know, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I've had occasions where the screen didn't quite fit in the area, you know, in the well between like the, the witness and, the, and the, the jurors, where I just lit up the entire wall of a courtroom and it was like a, a, a drive-in movie theater. So those are really the three components. I mean, these days, laptops I find are much more reliable, but I, I will tell you that I think it was in, in 2020 was the last time I, I had used the same exact computer, the same laptop, and the same projector for 10 years straight. I mean, it was close to, I mean, 100 trials, starting trials, verdicts, you know, whatever, but 10 years of intense trial work. And it lasted me the entire time, really without a hitch. I really didn't even need to replace it, but it was to the point where the, the, the laptop was, was so kind of ancient. It was actually one of the first touchscreen laptops. I thought I'd be cool, you know, busting out the touchscreen, but it never really kind of worked. But just a good, reliable laptop and this software, uh, which is Exhibit View, which I use, the only catch with it is it doesn't work on Mac. It's just for PC. I know that there's other stuff out there. There's TrialPad and Trial Director. There were some other programs out there when I first started that I kind of experimented with. Um, there was one by Lexus. I, f I forget what. 
But the the bottom line is the other programs that I've experienced are just so much more complicated to set up and to really use that you almost need a trial expert to come, you know, a, a trial tech person to come with you, which is something also you could spend a, a few thousand bucks on, on that guy, which is something I would rather put back into a crazy demonstrative or a 3D, you know, model or so, you know something like that, which to me is is money better spent. Uh, for a trial and it's less aggravation for me. But, th- you know, it's really just your preference. And I think at the at the end of the day, as long as you're using this stuff, you're going to give yourself a big advantage because of how people learn and how people, you know, consume information now. I mean, what do we all do? We're on our phones all day. We're all visual learners. I mean, there's there's a million studies out there that you could look up that talk about visual learning combined with auditory learning, how much more you comprehend. It's something like 75% more comprehension. And people want to be entertained at trial. I mean, trials can be flat out boring. You want to take a case and make it as exciting as possible. I think that adds to the to the overall value of cases, uh, you know, a tremendous amount, even smaller case. I mean, I've tried everything from 25 policies to multi-million dollar cases, and it enhances the value on each and every one of them. And you can use them on every single case. You don't have to wait for the big one where you're going to say, okay, I'm going to spend five grand on on all these cut, you know, blow-ups. I can use it for zero cost on every case and kind of make a demonstrative out of anything. This has to be blowing Stan's mind. I mean, Stan, he's a hell of a trial attorney, one of my best friends, but Stan sent me a text on Friday. He was traveling to New York City that uh, it was so refreshing for him to be able to go paperless. Right, Stan? So oh, yeah. I'm not calling you a dinosaur. I mean, I think it, it just it's, it's written on your forehead. <laughs> so we would need some help. T- making this uh, transition to using trial technology to bring our cases more to light. But going back a second, how do you how do you deal with recall during, you know, when you have thousands of documents, how do you find that one specific document, that one instant when you actually need it? Is that an issue? Or, and how do you index all of your documents? So basically it's, co- it's copious preparation, like you would always do. Um, you know, I'm sure Stan, you prepare outlines for trial. You, you outline you know, your depositions and your medical records really Go through everything that's in evidence and just make sure that it's scanned in in the same way that it would be prepared. So what I'll do is uh, once I have all – in New York, we have all of our subpoenaed records that have to get sent to the subpoenaed record room. And I'll spend a day or two with my portable scanner. Yeah, I love doing this. This is like one of my favorite things to do. And just rock out with my you know uh, headphones on and just scan in all of the records so I know exactly what's there how it comes in. I know a big challenge with medical records is you could request a medical record and it's going to come in 10 different ways in 10 different times you request it. So that's really important, having whatever's going into evidence so that you know exactly what page number it's coming in. And then you basically bait stamp your own copy so that when you're doing your notes, you can say, you know, I, I do it like like zero eight dot whatever line. So if it's a deposition, it's, you know, page eight, line 25 or line, line 11. And the same thing with medical records. So if you prep and you know the records, like, you know, you know yourself for any case, you're, you're going to be okay. And really with this system, it's as simple as, you know, just clicking page 27, like just putting in two seven and it's, and it's up. Uh, the other great thing about the exhibit view software is nothing goes up until you press, there's a um, projector button. So you can set up your, your screen. No one's seeing it. You have your, your platform in front of you. And all they're seeing is the record that you project and then display. And I've crucified doctors. I mean, it's been absurd, frankly, because once a jury, the other thing is, even if you're putting up a piece of paper, 
the jury's not really seeing that. You may be able to read in into the record what it says, but they're not seeing it blown up so that a nine-foot screen, it's all the doctor wrote uh, in his progress note or his history that he's trying to give you, you know, the courtroom medicine excuse for. So it's really powerful. Um, and I, I think anyone who's a great trial lawyer, lawyer works hard is, is going to have already the tools to do it. You just kind of got to take the plunge and get over the tech, you know, uh, hurdle that we ha- all have in our minds. And I, and I can tell you that, Tiff, you know, half the prep is a small portion is kind of building your own case. And then a large portion of it is trying to figure out what the defense is going to do and prepare for how they're going to use this record and what I think they may use, what they may not. So having it scanned in being valuable in the past, I've had to rely on like a service that does this. And it's extremely, extremely expensive. But I will tell you, you know, part of the reason I myself find look at doing this stuff is there's a trial and a case is never finite. It's never settled. That number is never fixed. Okay. There's a lot of times someone in there on the day of trial when you're setting up in the courtroom with authority to resolve that case. And it's not necessarily about getting the verdict as much as it is about convincing that person with the money that you're going to get the verdict. So they then approach you and say, hey, you know, now we'd like to talk to you about that reasonable offer we've been holding back this whole time. Now that we see you're willing to actually punch the bully and you look credible doing it, we want to talk to you about settlement. I mean, I said, do you notice that happening much when you get into court and they go, oh, crap, this guy's ready to go? Medical malpractice work is funny. I think there's a certain degree that some of these older big time partners or whatever you want to call them are kind of stunned, uh, especially when they're going up against someone who's younger. I mean, that I think for young attorneys to incorporate this really just boosts your your overall presentation and your, your overall um, credibility. I think you know, I've always said this, I, I don't know where I learned this, but I think it's proven true, is that the most credible attorney is going to win. I could bark and yell and say a million things at trial, but if I'm not backing it up with cold facts that are clear and easy to understand, I'm not going to win because I'm not credible. I'm not making a credible argument at trial. And I think with this, you know, yes, it does put pressure on the other side. It certainly has. But for me, for the MedMal stuff that I go to trial for, they're pretty much going going all the way um, or settling very late in the game. And it might be just being in New York. To add a caveat to what Stan asked, it's comparing auto to MedMal. So auto's a little different. MedMal, 70% of the time they end up in defense verdicts to begin with. They're just yeah. such tough cases. So It's true. And they'd rather roll the dice a lot of the times, just banking on the fact that maybe, you know, we're going to get a jury that's not favorable or it's going to be too over their head. You know, you got a, a venue that's tough on on plaintiffs. It's a tough racket, n- no question. I just lost a a, a, a trial that was uh, over three weeks, whole presentation, and and uh, you know, you win some, you lose some. But you gotta you gotta just go into every case preparing the same way, right? Right, Sam. I mean, that's if, if you set the bar the same for every case, you're gonna prep, you're gonna get ready, the same level. It's all gonna even out. You know, some of the cases will settle, some of them midway maybe, and some of them you'll be set up for a great verdict. Do you focus group these presentations? I focus group on anyone that will listen to me. So for a formal focus group, to be honest, I've never done that. Coming from a, a smaller practice where I've kind of learned most of this stuff on, on my own, to be honest. But, you know, my focus group is the dinner table. 
you know, I get my in-laws on the line. You know, my mom will be very critical about these types of cases. She's good because she's always on the defense side for whatever reason, especially with the malpractice stuff. But I think that's a good way to do it. And that's also a good way to just kind of talk out your certain points that you might think are super valuable and super important, but other people might be like, pump the brakes there, that, that's kind of rubbing me the wrong way or, you know, Stan, because we're so involved in these cases and we know them so well that we th- we're kind of in our own mind and with our own kind of train of thought. And it, it's, it is, it's so important to get outside opinions, at least every once in a while, to kind of, you know, help guide how you present for a case and how you come across for a jury. Any pushback from any judges and any specific uh, venues or technology? Yeah. So, so the other thing that that's great about the the setup is that it's very it's very easy to move around. And what I'll do is I always make a point. I guess every venue is different, and every courthouse is different. So, what I'll have is I used to have to come with these old school plugs, like the Bronx Courthouse, where is where I primarily practice my entire career. Is a very old school not tech savvy at all courthouse. And I used to have to come with these like two prong plugs that would adapt to the, to the wall just, just so I knew that my, you know, setup would work. Whereas, you know, like in federal court, it's so tech, you know, savvy that, you know, they, they will have most of the stuff already there. So the good thing about it is, you know, you're using a portable projector too. Um, Recently I found the most amazing, it like rolls up uh, this projector. It's like a little sling it's very easy to, to travel with. Um, and it's, you can set it up really anywhere. So um, it's very fluid and make sure to let the judge know. So the judge feels like they're a part of it. Uh, and these days the, the, they see it so much, you know, it's, it's pretty common. I, I haven't ever had like a all out, you know, objection to it. Um, the only thing that rubs me the wrong way is like, I'll, I'll put up my whole setup and then the defense attorney who has nothing there will say, Oh, you know, put up, you know, that, page of like, I'm working for them now. And then I'll just say, you know, it doesn't work that way, buddy. I I have to set it up, you know, you know, a certain way. I I can't really do that in court, which is total BS. I just don't want to, you know, be working for them while I'm in court. But that's one, one thing that you can see come up. And I've had judges push to actually do that because some judges feel like it's kind of one-sided if you're doing this presentation and then the other attorney is just kind of holding up the the piece of paper, but I always push back. They create their own peril by not preparing that way. Yeah. Why yeah. should you be responsible for that? Yeah, right, right. Of course. Um, and that, that's what I say. And this past trial, uh, the one that I lost, but I, you know, I thought it was, we made a great case. It was a very difficult surgical error case. And, um, you know, this was a big shot defense attorney who had no, it was like a tech, like five-year-old. It was like almost pathetic, you know, with the, with the tech setup that they had. And asking me to do all this stuff. So I think it just comes down to the credibility and, you know, your overall presentation. If you're going to wow these jurors, which I think that they expect more and more these days, um, you got to do stuff like this. Are you noticing more engagement? Yes. It's all, that's the other thing. It's all about engagement. I mean, whether it's marketing stuff that you're doing, whether it's, you know, uh, presentation, evidence stuff, it's all about keeping people engaged so they're not snoozing and sleeping through the most important parts of your case. So this is is really all about engagement. And think about the where a juror is. You're asked to come to court. You're asked to sit in a jury box for hours upon hours on end. You can't interact with anyone. You can't ask questions. You can't even talk to the other jurors about the case. You're, you're instructed not to do so. 
So you almost need that outlet to kind of feel like you're part of something. And I feel like th this overwhelmingly, I mean, there, there's stuff on YouTube that I, I found of old videos of, of people using, talking about trial tech from like the late eighties, nineties, I want to say where jurors were so elated by it. And it's like the same response now that they always, you know, I make it a point, you know, I don't, I don't know if you do this stand, but I'm sure you have in the past is to, to talk to your jurors after every case. That's one of the big highlights for them always that they love this, love the setup and made it a lot easier for them to, to understand the case. Yeah, we're not allowed to actually go out and proactively contact our jurors. We have to ask. Even afterwards? Yeah, even afterwards. After they've been oh, wow. released, we got to ask the judge to send them something asking them to contact us. Oh, is that right? So you can't even talk to them like out on the no. courthouse steps or outside? Really? Wow. You, you can stand wow. out there looking lonely, and if they approach you, you can engage in conversation, but you can't approach wow. them and initiate conversation about anything. Wow. I've, I mean, I've had jurors slam the door in my face, <laughs> like close the elevator on me. But uh, well, I mean, look, if you can do it, if you're in a state that you can, I think it's also very, really valuable too, because you'll pick up things, even little annoying like mannerisms that you might do that kind of tick jurors off. That'll help you kind of at least train a little bit better or try to eliminate those those annoying tendencies in court. How much does it cost? Like soup to nuts incorporating the technology. We're going to start doing this in our trials. What does it cost to bring all this technology in? So I just did a, uh, a little presentation on this and I was, I was going through just on Amazon, just playing around. I was able to find a long throw projector. So back in the day, 10 years ago, this Dell projector I had, which lasted me about 10 years, was around $2,000. Today, I want to say you can get it for like 50 bucks or like th there were deals for long throw projectors many of them under a hundred bucks. Really? Um, so let's say if you wanted a more brand name, I guess you could get it easily in the 200 range. Okay. For the projector, for the laptop, most of us have already. Um, the, the trial software is very, very reasonable. There's like a one-time fee and then it's a yearly fee. And you know, the, the projector screen that I got just got was also, I think around 150 bucks. So all in, you know, you're talking maybe a, clearly under a thousand. You could probably do it all in for under five hundred. And then what I would also recommend, and we've all spent thousands upon oh thousands my god, the of aid. So it, yeah, it, that's it, nothing. You could you could spend that triple that on just a trial technician and and you know blow ups for for the trial easily. Yeah, I tried a case in Pinellas County where I spent over fifteen thousand dollars just on the visual yeah, aids itself, yeah. just to, yeah. The trial. So and yeah. that's what I was saying before is that like even for small cases. That's also the value is like, you know, Stan, like when, when you, you know, when you have a lot of cases coming up for trial, you have to prioritize. And if depending on the ultimate value of the case, you might have to restrict what you're spending. I mean, on a $50,000 policy case, you're not going to spend $25,000 on demonstratives because it doesn't leave enough at the, at the end. So this also helps to kind of always maximize the value of the case while also you're saving yourself thousands I mean, thousands upon thousands, e each case. Um, and that's the, also the incredible advantage for it. Um, plus, it, it allows you to, like, be more creative and kind of push your boundaries. And it's it's really fun. One, once you get in the zone and once you're, like, flowing with it in court, uh, it's nothing better to me. Stan, we need to make the change. Let's do it. Stan, I'm ready. Yeah, well, Anytime, man. Here's the thing. We've done it. Believe it or not, my last three trials, except for the last one we had, I've had the tech guy there doing stuff just because uh, you feel like, you're sort of lost without it. 
but I've never bought anything, you know, and I'm telling you the tech guy's going to be a a $5,000 a day bill. I know. When you get in here, plus the equipment rental and stuff like that. So we've done it somewhat down here, but having a command of it and being more comfortable with it when you're in the courthouse, you know, that I think would be invaluable because I've had more of the experience you've had where, hey, I'm trying to get this guy to bring up a record. It's a record he didn't know that he was going to be bringing up. And I'm back there flipping through a paper file going, no, it's this one, this one, and he's finding it. And it doesn't it doesn't go across smooth. It doesn't seem like a nice fluid presentation. Right. It seems like like you're listening to a record and it's a few skips on the song and people just don't like it as much. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, there's so many times I've had where a doctor or – a witness. I've had police officers try to be, you know, give me BS. I've had just just plain witnesses, or like uh, one construction case uh, is standing out to me. But there'll be so many times that where like someone says, "Oh, hey, th- th- there's this in the record," and then like two lines down, it's like another statement that supports your side, where the jury just wouldn't be able to see it. They're just reading off of a pa- piece of paper, and that is also just the power. If you if you know your your chart. Um, I think that's the most important thing. And then just start experimenting with it. You know, I, I I used to, what I did initially was I painted a wall. I had like dark walls in my office. I painted a wall white and I set up the the projector and I just started playing with it. And for any cases that I had, had my little projector on, on my uh, desk and I just kind of got it. But I'm telling you, Stan, the, the software itself is so intuitive and easy to use. You, you pick it up in, in half an hour. There's not really much to, to, to teach the basics I'm, I'm talking. And the, and the software also has, you know, um, if you guys do, you know, heavy uh, video depositions, which New York just doesn't do. I know a lot of, you know, states out there will have video depositions for all their experts. So it, it has a video uh, f- function where you can sync the deposition transcript, which I have used in the past, which is also incredibly powerful because what's better than getting someone just caught in their own, getting them on camera, you know, lying about something. We just don't have it that much in, in New York. So I'm really focused just on on the records and the chart. And it makes it just more fun and engaging for, for everyone, I think, when you're able to just rip through a huge medical record, pull out all the really juicy stuff so that it follows, you know, just a timeline in, in your mind that makes sense for for everyone. Obviously, I'm the biggest fan of this stuff ever, you know. Yeah, it has been. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you one, one example. It's your calling card. I had a, uh, my, it was my, actually my first million dollar plus verdict in Brooklyn. It was an orthopedic malpractice case um, where my client had an osteochondral fracture after an ACL tear. So ACL tear is a, is a high, you know, tension, high force injury. And my client, it sheared off a piece of bone inside of, uh, inside of his knee. And this doctor did not take out the piece of bone during the surgery, which ended up my client developed a DVT from it and a PE, had a a whole mess of, uh, he had a partial stroke. It it was a whole thing, okay? Um, And while the jury was deliberating, this this the tech literally won the case for me. While the jury was deliberating, they asked if the attorney for, for the plaintiff could put back up the MRI slice that he was talking about from the MRI on the the screen, okay? And while the jury was still out, I put up the screen, I put it on as bright as, as humanly possible, set it all up, and you could see clearly on this one slice that my expert pointed out 
where the piece of bone, you could see it clearly just on the tip of, it was like off to the side on, on the MRI. And really anyone would have, um, like a normal person would have just overlooked it. But when you saw it on the screen blown up, it literally won the, won the case for me. So like, imagine if I was, if the, my trial technician's long gone at that point during deliberations, if they're asking me to, to put up, you know, an MRI or a CT scan, that's going to be a tough thing to do. I mean, I, I used to hand like pass out like a lap. I used to have this radiologist would come with the white box, you know, the, or the light box or whatever that thing is. And, uh, you know, like pass around his laptop to like, look at like to, for the jurors to look. But in this case, you have a 10-foot screen. Win a case, and it certainly has for me. Stan, are you a believer now? Are we going to convert? Are we, st- we're gonna, are we no longer dinosaurs? Because I, I put myself in the same basket there. Well, we've, here's the thing. Just give it a shot. It, it's not being adverse to the technology. It's moving up the learning curve on how to use it yourself versus being able to point to someone and say, hey, put that up. Having a command of it yourself makes you much more comfortable with everything. You know, and being at, like you say, when totally. they're in deliberations, when the guy's out of the room, knowing how to work it, knowing how things are stored, there's just sort of an extra layer of confidence there that when you stand up that it's going to work, even if, you know, he's screwing up. You know, what, one thing I would say is, um, and I've thought about that a lot, is is like your, your comfort level of, of using this stuff. And I, I think for people who've done it, you know, the kind of old, old school way, Versus people that are kind of learning, especially how to cross-examine some, uh, you know, either a doctor or a witness. To me, it actually simplifies the process an incredible amount because when you have the technology up, okay, and you just put up a page in the chart and and you enlarge whatever it is that you want to talk about, whether it's a part of the police report, part of a radiology, you know, report, medical record, whatever, everyone is just focused on that. And I think, you know, at trial, one of the real art forms of a, of a great trial attorney is being able to take your pad, put the pad down and actually talk like a human being and converse almost with, with your witness. And when you have it up, it really just focuses the whole line of questioning and allows you kind of to leave all your notes aside and just focus on that one thing and whatever your goal is or whatever you want to accomplish with, with that piece of evidence. That's just to me. So I, I get it though, Stan. It, it, it's uh, you know it, it could be a scary thing, especially if you've been doing, if you've been, been successful and and been doing it something a, a certain way for so long. You know uh, it can be tough to change. All I'd say is you know give it a shot. It's really not the cost. Certainly shouldn't be prohibitive. You know of trying it out. No, it's money saved. It's, it's yeah. money well spent. I think we're gonna fly you down for a free vacation to teach us this. Sure, we'll do the whole farm. Because between Stan and I, I mean, we're, we have trouble. Uh... Well, Matt's got the. All right, Matt, you've got a lot of technology. Matt is, Matt Matt is so it. tech savvy. I know search engine optimization, I know digital marketing, but I don't really <laughs> understand technology per se and how to put things together in devices. So I think that's, that's where I fall off a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, I guess I'm, I've always been like a handy guy, always love like puzzles and putting together stuff and building stuff. So that's definitely helped. And I think if you just see someone do it one time, and just have a kind of like a reference, you know, I, I think you'll see it. It, it these days, especially, I mean, it's literally you're plugging one thing in, you just got to set up your, your projector, like on a little, there's also these things I get on, on Amazon. They're like little stool, like portable stools. So like I could put the projector down, put the, set up my stool, set up my screen. And it takes me less than, it's like three minutes to set up this thing. And I'm good to get ready to go. I've done it at mediations. I brought it for arbitrations. And the cool stuff is, this stuff actually works on virtually. 
where you can project your your screen and use it kind of the same way where let's say you're you know deposing a witness or you have a virtual trial or something you can actually set it up with it an extended monitor where it behaves the same exact way as it would in trial basically your monitor is that projector screen wow this is like mind blown i'm used to trying it the old fashioned way same as stand so this is something completely new to me yeah but it's so funny that for 10, 12 years, it's, it's been the same. There has not, this is like one of the rare areas where there's been so little progression in a field of, of legal practice, I feel like, that uh, it, it's just kind of mind-blowing to me. Where, and also, like, the technology hasn't changed that much. That, that's why it's, it's, it's awesome is, is that it's still rel- it's very simple to use. It's not complicated at all. And you can learn it quick. I mean, I spent a lot of time watching courtroom video news. I don't know if you ever watched that before. You can watch trials in real time from the best trial lawyers in the country. And yeah, I'll tell you, it's rarely used by even the best technicians out there. You'll see Lanier. Lanier does a lot on some of his big mass tort bellwether cases. He'll blow up these demonstrative aids and pretty much do what you do, bring the story to light, where very few attorneys do that. And I think uh, that's an art that could easily be improved, and it would obviously captivate the people who are viewing it. Yeah. You, you know, one, one other thing I'll, I'll, I just want to add is that you know, I see um, attorneys that will use like PowerPoint or something that is like a linear presentation tool, which is great for, let's say, an opening statement or a closing statement, closing argument where it's controlled, where no one's interrupting you. You don't have to think on the fly. You don't have to change your, your, your it's basically a scripted, you know, presentation. Whereas why this is so, is so amazing is that let's say I'm using a PowerPoint for a witness the second that the witness deviates from my pre-planned sequence of evidence, I'm totally screwed. I, and I've tried this. I, I tried it in the beginning, and it, t- it completely throws you off. You can't think. And then your, your whole setup is totally screwed. That's why with the, with the trial tech, it doesn't matter where the witness goes because you can go anywhere with them because your, your entire case file is demonstrative. Every single piece of paper in that file, every medical record, every exhibit is demonstrative without spending any money. And it's seamless. And it's seamless. So, and it's plug and play. Yeah. You've got to the point where it's plug and play. Yeah. And it, nowadays it's so cheap. Like I said, you get a projector for 50 bucks. Stan, we need to do this. I'll have you wrap it up, Stan. All right. I'm on board. Let's do it. All right. Well, hey, this has been, hey, thanks for coming out and talking to us because we'd usually get a little bit type of different presentation than this. And the technology is kind of so fascinating, a little outside of our field of expertise. So, Kyle, thanks for coming out. We really appreciate it. I guess this has been another episode of the David vs. Goliath podcast, and uh, we appreciate it. You got it, guys. My pleasure. This episode of David vs. Goliath is over, but your journey is just getting started. To share your story with us, visit dolmanlaw.com. That's D-O-L-M-A-N law.com. Or call 866-965-6242. The insights and views presented in David vs. Goliath are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. The information presented is not a substitute for consulting with an attorney, nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. Any case result information provided on any portion of this podcast should not be understood as a promise of any particular result in a future case. Dolman Law Group. Big firm results. Small firm personal attention.